Stu, I think today is probably your best performance uh, on any show in the last well, several months. You mentioned my uh, the performance uh, warranted an Oscar nomination. I thought that was, yeah, it was very thank your performance. It was somebody else's performance. But you did say those had. words. I did say those okay. words, just not to you. Well, um, yeah, I heard them. And I, mean, I, I don't know what I, what, I, what, what. I think your performance uh, as man in helicopter uh, <laughs> reviewing Stormy Daniel movies was probably one of the highlights of the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You don't want to miss uh, anything. We have Andy McCarthy on who talks to us all about what is coming up, what the charges may be. By the time you get this podcast, you may know what the, the charges are, but all of the ramifications. He was fascinating. All that and more on today's podcast. Now, in the 1960s, 95% of the clothing uh, that Americans bought was made right here in America. Now, 97% is made overseas. That's a complete reversal of the way things used to be in this country. And we've got to change things back. I want to welcome American Giant back as a sponsor this year. American Giant is all about American workers, the factories, and the products that they make. It's about good-paying jobs that allow people to take pride in the hard work that they do. It began in 2012 uh, when a clothing factory in North Carolina was going to shut down forever. Well, they worked with the factory to invest in some new machinery and skill development. It's 10 years later, and they make some of the best clothing you'll ever own. The quality American hoodie, quality American sweatshirts with cotton that's grown here in America, milled here in America, and cut and sewn right here in America. The name of the company is American Giant. AmericanGiant.com. I want you to go to American-Giant.com slash Glenn. Uh, check them out. If you're looking for good quality clothing that means something, American-Giant.com slash Glenn. Go there now. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. Well, today is a day. It's a sad and sobering and sombering kind of day. Uh, According to the media, they're very sad, sober, and uh, it's a somber day for them. uh, As Mm. we see a president of the United States be indicted on, uh, on, on local charges, but a felony, which is weird, but... Former President uh, Donald Trump is expected to be arraigned today on about 30 charges, according to the mainstream media. We have no idea what these charges are. We have no idea how many. We have no idea. Uh, The uh, indictment remains sealed, so there's no way you could officially know any of the charges. Yeah, in theory, even Donald Trump does not currently know what the charges are. Correct. Until he goes to that room where he will hear them for the first time, that's when he learns about them. And so it's important to note that everything we know, we quote unquote know about these charges, we know from mainstream media reporting right now. Mm. So it, really, this could go any number of directions. Now, they've been leaking to mainstream media like crazy. So you can believe that some of it probably is accurate. All of those leaks would be felonies. 
but I'm sure that I'm sure Bragg will be right on top of prosecuting that. He's going to be very concerned about those leaks. We have Arthur uh, Bigglesworth uh, there at the. Uh, do, do we not? Do we have our is is Arfur ready at all? Yeah, sure. Uh, is Arfur? Are you there? Hello. Hi, Arfur. Where can you hear me? Yes, I can. I'm, I'm currently hovering above Trump Tower. You're above Trump Tower now. Looking down. Yes. With a telescope. Right. And, what and I'm you? trying to see if Donald Trump is currently on the crapper. Uh. <laughs> And that's not what we asked you. We cannot get this information to you to see if he's doing number one or number okay, two. Okay, all right, we're not. Uh, Arthur, we'll call you. Uh, we'll call you when we when you when you have something. Yes. He's tickling. He's tickling. Okay. Thank you very much. He's currently tickling. Thank you. All right, thank you. Got it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, that would be uh, Arthur Bigglesworth, who is uh, up in the uh, the Mercury Chopper apparently today. Uh, so we have um, we have uh, Donald Trump going in. He will um, uh, go in and surrender himself today at some point early this morning, uh, and then I think it's at one o'clock he's arraigned. One or two o'clock Eastern time. Now they are having a uh, a protest. Marjorie Taylor Greene is uh, hosting a protest with Trump supporters at ten thirty, which just doesn't seem like a good idea uh, to me. Just doesn't, you know. Maybe it's just me, but uh, not it a good idea. Does seem like the type of thing that could go awry. Perhaps people being baited into stuff yeah, and perhaps counter protests that yeah, I mean you know, mostly peaceful counter protesters may yes. show at this particular yeah. event. And not really be mostly peaceful. What? Yeah. Well yeah. I'm just uh I'm just saying. I'm 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 just saying. So we uh we have the indictment uh coming out and uh I'm all a tingle. Now this is this is kind of a, a big thing because, again, we're learning today that no one is above the law, uh, especially with uh, D.A. Bragg. Um, he is he's quite mm. an amazing. I mean, yes. OK. In Manhattan. I mean, you know, uh, felony assault, you know, is probably a little uh, above above uh, the law or major crime. That's up 22 percent in New York. Uh, you know, last year there was a convicted sex offender who put a man in a coma and walked free. That guy, that guy above the above the law. So, but in- this is I mean, his defining characteristic is letting people off for crimes they committed. That is right. legitimately the only thing that Alvin Bragg is known but for. But doesn't it this. make sense that you let people off for crimes they committed? And you uh, prosecute people for crimes they didn't commit. (laughs) No, (laughs) it does not make sense. Why? And we don't know if, I mean, we have no idea what these 30 felony charges are. 30. I mean. 34, right? That's what was reported to Isikoff I mean, that's crazy. I I, I guess. What are they? I Every single time it's written down in a piece of paper is a separate count type of thing. Is that what basically what we're doing here? We're going to find out oh. some of this later today. It just 
And right now they're just focused on so many other stupid, sad, sober things. Now, CNN uh, had Wolf Blitzer on yesterday and still uh, the hairiest guy on television. And, you know, who doesn't want to see that? America is flocking to the Wolf Blitzer extravaganza every day. Um, but uh, he was on yesterday and he said, we're getting I don't know why he always shouts. We're getting new CNN uh, polling <laughs> revealing how the American public is reacting to the former president's indictment. OK, if I asked you now. How are you reacting Stu, to the indictment? What would you? I, well, I haven't seen it yet, so it would be hard to react yeah. to that indictment. <laughs> I'm kind of pissed because I... I think it's probably BS, but until I see it, I can't be sure. Okay, good, Mm -hmm. good, good. We went into the field, DigiWolf. We went into the field, and we did this new exclusive CNN poll. What a stupid sentence that is. (laughs) Uh, Conducted by SSRS just after Mm. the indictment last Thursday. Okay, so they did this poll last Thursday. (laughs) We had no information. No information. Mm -hmm. 64% of Americans approve of the indictment of Donald Trump. 40% disapprove. Wait, what were those numbers again? Uh, 60%. 60-40? 40. 40. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So wait a minute. Hang on. I just 60% approve of what? Of what? <laughs> we don't know. Of what? We Indicting don't. him. Get him. I mean, yeah. really. That's really what it is. Um, I mean, I guess we're no better because we're like, this is hogwash. We don't know until today. We don't know. We don't know for sure, right? I mean, My where- guess is just from the... Mm-hmm. Uh, the long and storied and sobering kind of uh, uh, saga that we've gone through with Donald Trump. They always are like, this is it. Glenn, this is it. This time we're really going to get him. And then you find out, no, not so much. No. Uh -uh." So, I mean, judging from past performance, I'd say uh, this one, nope, uh -uh. not going to do it. But maybe that's just me. 94% of Democrats approve of the indictment. 94% of Democrats. You know what that is? That's uh, uh, that's Saddam Hussein uh, voting numbers. <laughs> right. That's what that is. 94%. <laughs> Remember, we used to say, there's no way that's real. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, apparently it is. 94%. Democrats, 94% approve of the indictment that has yet to be released. 62% of independents and 21% of Republicans. Now, I just want to show you 21% of Republicans approve and 6% of Democrats. Wait. No, I'm sorry. 94% of Democrats. So 21% of Republicans approve of the indictment. Yeah. That's a higher number than I would have expected. Right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot higher. A lot higher, mm-hmm. which means we're not all in lockstep, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, you should judge this on the merits. Yes, you know, yes. I, I, and and we can't judge it on the merits until we know what it is. But but what we, what we know so far, which I would remind you, is from mainstream media reporting. So I don't know that it's necessarily reliable. But what we know so far, it seems to be very very thin, right? I mean, the idea that we've had multiple other people look at these same charges. All of them also hated Donald Trump 
and none of them brought charges on this. Well, right, like, so we went out in the field <laughs> and we did this new exclusive CNN poll and uh, we further asked respondents whether they believe Donald Trump's payment to Stormy Daniels was illegal, unethical, not illegal, not wrong at all, or not sure. Wow. So, <laughs> so wait, we're asking the American people, what, what was it again? If it was legal, the Trump payment. Now, it should be noted that generally speaking, it's not illegal to pay somebody to keep an affair quiet. It's not illegal. Otherwise, Bill Clinton would have been rotten in prison for a very long time. Um, but this case, 37% of the American people said the payment was illegal. I'd like to, Wolf, I'd like to uh, have a follow-up question. What part of it was illegal? What made that illegal? Because uh, I get, I would guess maybe 99% would say, uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. They have no idea what they're even talking about. So 52% of independents, 52% say, uh, yeah, this was, uh, this is political. Political. 76%. Of all Americans say, yeah, this was just a political uh, driven event. Only 14% say no. We have Arfur on again. Arfur uh, Bigglesworth, apparently, he is in the helicopter now. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, what have, what have you found? Well, uh, one thing I've done is I've been looking for clues on what exactly went down. How did all of this happen? And in that process, I've watched 37 Stormy Daniels movies, <laughs> hey. including hey. Finally Legal 7. What, what was that one? Finally Legal 7. Finally Legal yeah. 7, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Dual airbags. That's just, that's a, is that an actual movie <laughs> that Stormy Daniels is in? Dual airbags. Dual airbags, okay. Uh, dual airbags, that's fantastic. <laughs> and I've also been, I've been, another real movie called Mad Cow Blonde Edition. <laughs> Arthur will uh, check in with you again on this sad and somber day. Somber day. <laughs> Those aren't real, are they? Totally real. Uh, Mad Cow Blonde Edition. Who the hell would agree to be in that movie? <laughs> 
I mean, dual airbags, maybe you could just say, all right, that might, I get what we're going. Ugh. Mad cow. What was it's the- a disease and they're calling you fat. <laughs> Why would you say yes to that? What was the first one? Uh, the first one was, what was it? Uh, oh, uh, a finally legal seven, which I guess she's been legal for a long time. What sort of restrictive society? What do you have, a 42-year-old age of consent? <laughs> This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Andy McCarthy is uh, here with us. Hi, uh, Andrew. How are you, sir? Glenn, I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, good. I mean, if you listen to the press, it's a, it's a somber and sad and uh, sobering day. And it is all of those things. I just don't believe they believe that. Um, can you give us some idea of what today is going to look like? Well, I, it's going to look like the beginning of a process that <clears throat> I think is being misdescribed in the press because we're, we're kind of a, a step behind uh, what they're explaining to you and the reason this is supposed to be a sad and somber day in the uh in the theater before us is that this is the beginning of the criminal uh justice process where someone is brought in and arraigned on a set of formal allegations known as an indictment and that begins the formal process of a criminal case but i think glenn just as alvin bragg um would be better understood uh, by the public as an elected progressive Democrat than as a law enforcement official. You know, back in the back, probably a, a decade ago, it was still the case, even in Manhattan, that if you were to campaign as someone who was whose agenda was to put the uh, the law enforcement power of the office in the service of a, a partisan agenda to go after one particular nemesis of the party that would have been disqualifying now it's what's expected in manhattan and this process is not really in the end it's not about whether they can take a trifling case and it really is trifling it's a case bragg would never bring against anyone else but it's it's not whether they can bring a trifling set of allegations and prove them and donald trump is found guilty or not guilty this is about making the process the penalty this is about um, making this as financially prohibitive, emotionally wrenching, and personally humiliating as they can for Trump, and it's it's kind of the the criminal justice system version of the of the Kavanaugh confirmation hearing. It's it's to create an interorum effect, um, which conveys to conservatives and and trump supporters and anyone else who opposes this bolshevik left that this is what we've got for you uh if you dare to oppose us and that's what this is really about it's not so much a criminal justice process which is you know we can go through the nuts and bolts of that but we should acknowledge i think what's really happening here so can you this because now i mean you can indict a ham sandwich is the old saying um, but it's got to go to a jury and got to go through a trial now. Do you think you can get a fair trial in Manhattan for Donald Trump? I think if the if the court were fair, um, 
the answer to that would be yes. I mean, I, I tried terrorist in the 1990s in that same little half square mile area of Manhattan, only eight blocks away from where they had bombed the World Trade Center. And, you know, terrorists weren't uh, were very unpopular, obviously, with New York juries. But no one who looked at that case didn't think that we got a fair jury for it. But if the process is rigged, that you know, we got a fair jury because the process wasn't rigged. We had a we had a fair judge. We had a you know due process of law. Um, the question is 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 the court going to be as rigged against Trump as the DA is? If that's the case, then you know it's already over. How is this possible? How how did this? I mean, it, it it is it's stunning, I think, to most Americans to see what's happening in Washington, D.C. with our court system, what's happening in New York with our court system. Um, it's one thing for the D.A. It's another to have the the court system so far gone on politics. Well, it's really a reflection, Glenn, of, of what's happened in the culture. And, and the reason I, I can say that with confidence is. In the federal system, uh, judge, uh, judges and district attorneys, uh, who are U.S. attorneys in the federal system, they're not elected officials. They're appointed by the president. In theory, the, the uh, credentials for those kinds of positions are that you will uphold the rule of law without fear or favor. You won't use your power as a partisan weapon. And we have them vetted by the Senate, at least in theory, to make sure that they're the kind of people who won't do that. That's not what we have in the in the state system. These positions are elected positions. And at a certain point, the the um, wellsprings of, of funding on the progressive mm. left. George Soros's name is mentioned all the time, but he's hardly uh, the only figure who's Correct. of importance here. But they realize that, you know, in these one party blue cities, DA's positions, there virtually was not a campaign at all for them. They were decided by the party bosses, like who would fill the slot. They're not competitive races. They were five-figure campaigns at best and probably in the low five figures. So these guys realized they could come in with, you know, six, seven figures of funding, blow away the competition, install their own uh, progressive prosecutors into these slots, uh, and that's real power. You know, it's one thing to take over the courts or to take over a legislature. They're kind of slow-moving institutions. But if you're a prosecutor, you have real instant power. You can decide who gets charged, who doesn't get charged. doesn't matter how aggressive the police are. Uh, it's up to the prosecutor what happens to these cases. So if you get a progressive ideologue in that kind of a position with no effective political check on him, that's real power, and that's what's happened in these uh, in these municipalities. So, tell me about what you know about the case. Um, I mean, uh, we have heard that this is uh, about Stormy Daniels, but that is something that the FEC passed on, uh, the uh, federal system passed on. The statute of limitations is over, and it's a misdemeanor, and he has made it into a felony charge, and there are thirty four felonies. That's what we've yeah. heard. What do you so, what do you think you know? Well, I think he's taking two transactions, which are these uh, hush money arrangements with two women who claim to have had uh, affairs with Trump in uh, around 2006 uh, and who were uh, 
paid off in different ways in the uh, waning weeks of the 2016 election when their uh, extortionate leverage was highest to try to, uh, you know, get paid off to remain silent about uh, their past interaction with Trump. Uh, so this is all seven years old. That's when these non-disclosure arrangements were done. And I think the way they're getting 34 counts out of it, Glenn, is the kind of abuse of prosecutorial authority that they warn against in the Justice Department manual, where they tell you not to not to stack up counts where it's not necessary. A lot of times rogue prosecutors will try to camouflage with quantity the lack of quality mm. of the evidence of their case. And it's easy to do this. You know, if you and I were in a stolen, uh, let's say we're in a stolen property conspiracy, where we're going to try to transfer and steal stolen property. Mm. I hand it to you to say, Glenn, what do you think this is worth? And you hand it back to me after you've appraised it. And I said, well, take another look. And, you know, by the time we've passed it back and forth eight times, each one of the times we hand it from one to the other is a, is a separate felony. Now, no one sensible ever charges it that way. There's just two of us and one set of stolen property. But you can see the mischief that can be made uh, by if you get hyper technical about what a say a distribution means. So what I think happened here is, especially with with Stormy Daniels, this is the easiest one to explain. Uh, Michael Cohen lays out the money and then they decide they're going to pay Cohen by making it look like he's getting paid legal fees rather than being reimbursed alone. So they decide to pay him over 12 installments. They have him submit an invoice and then uh, Trump or someone in the Trump organization pays him a check. So what I imagine is with each individual payment, there's an invoice, there's a check, and there's some entry on the records. So just, you know, based on what I, I, the example I just gave you can easily see where we could come up with 36 charges, right? Just, just from that, even though it's all one scheme. So that's the kind of game they're playing here. And the idea, Glenn, is there's not much evidence here, but it's a subtle way of trying to convey to the jury that this guy must be a terrible guy, because otherwise, why would the state have lodged 34 counts against Correct. him? Correct. Oh, my God, he must be Nikki Barnes. So, so um, when you look at these charges, first of all, is it illegal for Donald Trump to pay either of these women off? No. Non-disclosure agreements are a staple of civil litigation in the United States. They happen all the time. And that's not even immoral. I mean, what they were charging may have been immoral. But for him to pay them off, it's not immoral and it's not uh, illegal. It's Correct. a business transaction. That happens all the time. Right. So what, what's going on is Bragg, in his mind, as a progressive Democrat, he has decided that uh, it can't possibly be that the Democrats ran an atrocious candidate against Trump. It must be that he stole the 2016 election. And the way he did it was by having these uh, dark uh, hush money arrangements, which he didn't disclose before Election Day. And that's why Mrs. Clinton was defeated. So this has to be pursued as wow. if it were a violation of the campaign finance laws. And mind you, Glenn, if it actually was a campaign finance expenditure, which I don't think it was as a matter of law, Trump wouldn't have had to disclose it, even if he considered it one, until long after the 2016 election. So this whole thing is like left-wing fantasy land, but that's what and we're... It, so wait a minute. So, But they're trying to get him because they claimed it was uh, legal, which seems more reasonable to me that it was illegal. You are taking and 
you are paying somebody and you're having your attorney have them sign a paper. So it's an illegal it's it's a legal expense in in my book. It would be much more than campaign. If he would have made a campaign uh, um, uh, expenditure, then he's using campaign money for personal uh, stuff. I mean, that would have been worse, wouldn't it? Yeah, they would have gotten him on that. This is this is not one of these things where there's a way out. There's not. I mean, they get him coming and go. And if he didn't disclose it, it's because he was uh, intentionally violating the campaign finance laws. And if he had disclosed it as a campaign expense, they would have said how outrageous it was that he would use campaign funds for something like this. So, yes, it's uh, it's Kafka. You know, I mean, they just get him whichever way he goes. Giving. um the other side, the benefit of the doubt, giving the prosecution, and I don't know if you can, but try giving them a benefit of the doubt. Is there any way you could make this case make sense without politics? No. Well, no, but, you know, to broaden the lens, uh, Bragg's agenda with respect to everyone who's not named Donald Trump is to not prosecute. Correct. So what we have in New York is we have very serious crimes, which are felonies, which which he either pleads down to misdemeanors or just as commonly doesn't prosecute at all. So the thought that anybody in New York would be prosecuted for misdemeanor falsification of records is is very hard to take because we have people committing serious crimes here who don't get prosecuted. So it's really hard to take the politics out of this, Glenn. Plus, you know, just to go back to the beginning, he's an elected official. He's not an appointed law enforcement official. He got elected promising to leverage his power against Trump. Now, isn't the exact same thing that Donald Trump is accused of doing? Isn't it the same thing that Hillary Clinton was accused and convicted of doing or her campaign? In, uh, well, what he's formally going to be accused of is falsifying Trump Organization business records. And the way they get that into a felony is in New York, the misdemeanor can become a felony if the person was trying to cover up another crime by falsifying the records. So I don't even think they're going to be able to prove if it's a fair proceeding that there's a falsification of records, because for that, you have to show that the person acted with uh, an intent to defraud. And I don't see any intent to defraud here. There's nobody who was conceivably harmed by the way that they booked this thing. But it's even more preposterous to say that he concealed another crime, because the crime I think they want to point to is campaign finance violations, the failure to disclose this as a campaign uh, in-kind donation. And not only was it not one, but, you know, more to the point, when the New York statute talks about concealing another crime, what they're obviously talking about is a New York penal crime, not a federal campaign finance crime. So I don't think that Bragg even has jurisdiction to to enforce the federal campaign finance laws if there was a violation here, which I don't think there was. But didn't Hillary Clinton, um, wasn't she charged because of the Steele dossier? She marked it down as a legal expense. Isn't that the same, pretty much the same thing? Yes. uh, In other words, misrepresenting what was an in-kind campaign contribution as, as legal 
Right. Fees. That's exactly right. Yes. Correct. And so she paid a fine, and that's a misdemeanor. Glenn, that's the other thing here. Nobody gets nobody gets prosecuted for uh, for these campaign finance violations. The Obama campaign in two thousand eight had like a record. I don't I don't remember. It was like two and a half million dollar violation. They paid a three hundred thousand dollar fine. The last person prominently who was uh, prosecuted for one of these things, John Edwards, the, cl- the case was a disaster. And it, it, this is actually an amusing bit because, you know, for Bragg to win, uh, he has to show that Trump not only knew that he had committed a campaign finance violation, but that he acted with that in mind in falsifying the records. I don't know how he could have known this was a campaign finance violation, putting aside that it wasn't. Uh, when in the Edwards case, there's two federal bureaucracies that regulate this, the Justice Department and the Federal Election Commission. They disagreed on whether it was a campaign violation. The FEC said no. The Justice Department prosecuted it. And then the judge looked at it and said, well, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. He let Jeez. it go to the jury and the jury said no. So who da- who knows what a campaign finance Unbelievable. Finance- You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Oh, you should have accepted my offer, James. (laughs) Execution scheduled for 11 p.m. He's trying to convince us he's gone insane and therefore incapable of being executed. I need you to prove he's faking it. Edward? I'm gonna ask you some questions. I'm not Edward. I'm a demon. Demons aren't really a thing. What happened to Edward? We own him. We? (laughs) He's a master manipulator. You have your head so twisted around, you think you're the killer, not him. Give me something to make me believe you. Prove to me you're a demon. It's probably just a coincidence. I want to talk to the real Edward. Makes me do bad. I can't stop him. I need you to see something. You got a fan. Did the same thing with all his victims. Help me! I'm trying to, Edward, but you have to answer my questions. You have to tell me the truth. It won't let me! It can go away. It can go away. Yes? No. This is a trailer for the movie Nefarious. Uh, it uh, premieres tonight. It releases nationwide April 14th. Uh, it, it is uh, it is very, very powerful, especially with everything that is going on. I mean, I think evil has swept the country and most people don't recognize it. And that's kind of what this story uh, is all about. Sean Patrick Flannery is the guy who plays Nefarious. And uh Sean, I just told you this off the air, and I mean this sincerely. I don't say this very often. Um, you deserve an Oscar for this role. I mean, it is, it's fantastic. Did you see Split by any chance, yeah. Stu? Okay, remember how great that was? Yeah. When, and he played it so well. Mm-hmm. 
even better here. And uh, the dynamic range is remarkable. I mean, this movie pretty much takes place in one room. uh, And you hold the audience riveted for 90 minutes. It's amazing. I really appreciate that. I do. Thank you. So um, you were in, in case people... uh, uh, you know, don't recognize the name Boondock Saints. Uh, he was in Suicide Kings, Simply Irresistible. Uh, he was in the strip. He just played Gunpowder in The Boys. He's on Dexter, uh, and uh, and and now he's in uh, 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 Steve Dace's film, which has got to be kind of you have to wow. I've fallen really way off <laughs> you know i i i gotta say you know in in my opinion you know the these roles you know the director uh chuck and carrie i i worked with them for the first time in, in 2004 and uh they're they're two of the most amazing writers i've ever worked with and i told them after shooting that film i said i would do a fruit loops commercial with you guys and they they called <laughs> me a year and a half ago and they said we have a fruit loops commercial and i said uh I'm in. Put me in, coach. They sent so, me the script. And I, 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 to me, these roles are why you get into the business. These roles are why you move away oh, from yeah. home and that, get a that roommate is on like Craigslist. like a lifetime kind of role, once in a lifetime kind of role, where you are 90 minutes. It's all based on your act. I've never seen an actor with the entire movie on his back, but that's the way this movie is because it's all about nefarious which is uh, like the screw tapes letters uh, from C.S. Lewis, and you play a demon possessed individual. Yeah, yeah. It it's uh, it, it's th- th- this this to me, like I said, is is why you move out. It's it's uh, and you know I, I it, it's also a film that I I stand behind. I think I think it's arguably the most inarguably the most important film I've ever done. Oh, it's yeah. uh you know as a dad as a father it's uh things that i firmly stoutly believe in and uh it's really you know it, back in the 70s when i was a kid we had the exorcist and uh you know that had a lot of special effects and everything else in it this doesn't have any special effects and it is as terrifying as as that was because it's it's real, and what you're doing is you're talking to this guy across the table in the prison before you're executed, and he's trying to either prove that you're insane or not, and you are, as the demon, you're excited to tell him all about it, and he doesn't believe it. He just doesn't believe that demons are real. Well, I, I think it's a little bit you know, shocking, surprising, and also, not surprising that, that what what the devil would potentially say is that accessible. Uh-huh. You know what he says, you completely understand, and it laid out in the way that they wrote the script. It completely makes sense in pursuit of what you would imagine Satan's goal would be. Right, and he's executing it flawlessly. And it is so when you pop back from the the body, the the soul of the guy that nefarious has taken. Um, and you see the torture that that guy is in and will forever be in is, my gosh, it's just so powerful when you see him, you know, help me, help me, help me, please. And then back in the, 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 the character is kind of, uh, 
let out for just a, you know, I, I don't know, as a play thing or something. Well, you know, I, th- I think there has to be brief glimpses of, of who the real person is, you know, interspersed with, you know, the display of Satan embodying this person. But, but, it, but you know, it, it starts in the writing. It, it honestly does. When, when things are written that well, it's, uh, it, it makes the process of, of acting just easy. What was the filming like? Was it different than other movies? It was, it was very different. Um, you know, I, th- I think we initially had 20, 21 days to shoot it. Uh, when we showed up <clears throat> the first day, there was protesters picketing outside about uh, some, presumably some union issues. And uh, so, yeah, so, so they <laughs> really, yeah, uh, protesters uh, for uh, union uh, issues. Yes, ah. yes, yeah, figure that out. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so they shut us down. And we just kind of, I was parked in my hotel for about five, six days, and Chuck and Carrie called and they said, okay, you know, we're back, we're back up. They had to completely recrew. So they had to fly out a brand, whole new crew. And then we ended up shooting everything that you see there, um, at least at the table, I shot in eight days. Wow. It's, uh, and, and to make it, uh, you know, I, 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 I you know, they, they said we can, we can get more days, but it'll push through Christmas. And I said, I have to be home for my family on Christmas. So mm-hmm. let's load up the work days. Let's get it done so I can go home for Christmas Eve. I still hadn't bought my wife a present. You know oh, what I mean? Well, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a tradition that we go to Ace Hardware on Christmas <laughs> Eve and, and get her her robe and a lot of things. So I couldn't miss that, you know? So we, I mean, I think the first day we shot 17 pages of all dialogue at a table. And it had to be exhausting because this is, this is physical, even though you're not, you know, standing up a lot of times, it had to just consume your energy. Yeah, you know th- th- that kind of work does. You know, at, at the end of the day, memorization is is you know a- anybody can do it. It just requires homework. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have the discipline to do the homework. But uh, you know, it, 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 th- th- there's so many aspects to you know bringing a character to life realistically. The least you can do, I think, is show up and know the words. <laughs> um, the least. <laughs> Um, now, now, if I believe the words or not, that's you know subjective. But at the least, I can do is show up and know the words. Um, but so it did require some homework on that end. But uh, 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 again, when the information is so relatable, it's easy to process it and make it permanent. For for me, at least, you know, and and, and everything did make sense. The way that they laid this story out, the way that he conveyed, you know, what his goal was, you know, uh, uh, citing scripture, etc. It's uh, it was it, 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 it was a it was a relatively easy process for me. It's interesting because it is a God movie, but unlike any God movie you've ever seen, this is just one that pretty much says, wake the hell up, wake up, because this is real and this is happening and you're being sucked into it and you have absolutely no idea. It's really, really effective. So um any thought, was there any hesitation on taking a, a Christian film, if you will, on, you know, I mean, you, you know, you're just in uh, uh, The Boys, not exactly a Christian film. Uh, are you worried about being associated with something like this for your career? Uh, I, I, n- n- not to the point that would stop me from doing it. You know, I, at my core, I have to be true to myself. Um, I think it's important film. I think it's one of the mo- the proudest. I, 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 I'm more proud of this than you should be. probably think. I appreciate that. The 95 percent 
of uh, the other films I've done. Are, th- that, that's an understatement. Probably 99. And uh, I, I, I have to say that I, I wouldn't sleep at night if I passed on it for those reasons. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, I, I, th- throughout my career, I, I'm very lucky. I, I've, I've made a career out of doing films that mostly nobody sees. Um, and, uh, and, but, 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 but I haven't had to get a real job. And, you know, when I was eight years old, I threw papers. I worked for Alice Van Lines, moving pianos. I worked at Church's Fried Chicken. Um, I, I literally dug ditches. I put culverts under driveway. So I know what real work is. And this is certainly not real work. But uh, I, I do understand the ramifications of being attached uh, to a film like this. But it's, uh, it's part of my soul. It's, it's uh, things that I believe in fairly strongly and uh i I wish the best for everybody out there um i i i I hope it 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 can potentially steer people in the right direction i hope the message is received and if 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 the repercussions are you know negative on me then i'll i'll take them deal with it yeah i'll deal with it sean thank you so much um honestly just tremendous tremendous it is it was uh, a privilege to watch you. It's rare that you get to see an actor get the right script and then just run with it. And it was convincing and real and beautiful. Just great job. Well, fr- from my heart, I appreciate that. Thank I really you. do. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, he is, uh, he's the actor in Nefarious that plays. Nefar- Nefarious is the role that you yes, play, sir. right? Yeah, Nefarious. Uh, what was the other guy's name that you play? Uh, he, his, his Jordan Belfi is the name of the actor. No, no, no. The other guy. No, no, no. The other guy that you play. Oh, Edward. Edward. That's Edward. Right. Yes, okay. sir. Yeah. Uh, Nefarious and Edward. He plays both of them in this. And it's it's really an amazing performance. Sean Patrick Flannery. Uh, go to uh, get your tickets. It opens up April 14th. Who is Nefarious dot com. Again, who is nefarious.com. Well worth your time. 